You guys want to see something funny? Don't let anybody ruin your day. Ruin it yourself. Be a man. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, my first question is why? Um, why, why do this to yourself? My second is how many takes? Because <laughs> that was pretty... That was pretty elaborate. That curve all the way around the bowl. That, <laughs> was, that was measured and calculated. And how, after the first one didn't hit, would you continue attempting it? <laughs> yeah, seeing the force that it comes flying by you at when it misses, like I don't, I don't want to hit that. So, for anybody listening, that was somebody rolling a bowling ball in a um, like an, in a bowl of a skateboarding park, and uh, you see the ball go all the way around the bowl. And uh, into a guy's nuts. <laughs> As most funny videos end, it something hits a guy in the nuts, you know? That's why women live longer, okay? <laughs> you guys always do stupid-ass shit like this. Like, we start the pod, and I'm watching. I'm like, why? <laughs> why? <laughs> Welcome to Leafs Lake, where you I'm, get your most sophi- uh, sophisticated humor. Yeah, I honestly, I think Jackass is to blame for a lot of it fair 100 percent. um yeah i mean we that was the transition from like america's funniest videos you know where it's kids saying funny things or oh no i dropped something to like now people got to get like seriously hurt everybody's threshold for what's a funny video was just pushed up by them and now the the bar's set and everybody's gotta (laughs) gotta live up to them and that's not a good thing to do I want to know what size that ball was. Was it like a 12 pounder or a 15 yeah. pounder? Um, I think it was uh, it was a pretty big one and um, <clears throat> hit some a couple of smaller ones. All right. Hockey. Hockey. <laughs> Welcome to Leafs Light Night. Let's hit it. Hi, this is Mike Ross, public address announcer for your Toronto Maple Leafs, and this is the Leafs Late Night Podcast, your post-game destination. And now, your starting lineup, Roscoe, the Fanalist, Southey, Beaner, and Darty Brodeur on the Leafs Late Night Podcast. Alrighty, welcome back to Leafs Late Night. I'm your host, Roscoe, joined by Steph, the Fanalist, Southey, and Beaner. We are presented by Inside the Rink. It's never too late for the Leafs. So the Leafs had quite the game tonight. Coming out explosive and uh, maybe taking a little bit of a backseat for a bit and uh, finish things off strong. So it was a little bit of everything to introduce uh, Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari to the team. You know, they, they've got a taste of everything since they've been here, right? I was thinking that coming into tonight because they wanted to be here for the Montreal game, right? Like they were very adamant about it to the point that Ryan O'Reilly had to break into their old arena and get the equipment to get it on the plane. And then they had a good old fashioned leafy loss against the last place team of the league uh, against Chicago on Sunday. And then bam, return against your old team never scored more than two or one goal in that building after how many games he's played there right over 100 games and he scores three tonight oh his first multi-goal game of the season Mm -hmm. i mean i know st louis has been bad but poor guy 
I'm glad they got him uh, the hat trick or the empty net. That was a nice little icing on the cake there. So, uh, Sadi, you haven't uh, been around since we've gotten Mr. O'Reilly, I believe. So what uh, what excites you the most about this trade for, with him and Achari? Um, having him in the lineup. I call this in <laughs> mid-December, I think. We had a podcast where we talked about this. Um, just yeah. everything he brings, like his pedigree, obviously winning Stanley Cup, winning the Consumite, his two-way play is unreal. But adding Achari is kind of one of the most underrated parts of this trade. Like, he brings something so different to our fourth line that makes it really comparable when they play against Tampa Bay or Boston. I think that's going to be a huge deciding factor going forward. I definitely agree. And I felt almost like Ryan Callahan there. I don't know if you guys caught his uh, question to Keith, but it was pretty funny. Uh, it's like, so what do you think is working for the uh, the Marner Tavares O'Reilly line? And keeps like, uh, they're superstars. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. They're all really good. How do you want me to answer that? Keith did say though, since Noah Achari has been in this lineup, the fourth line has never looked better. Uh, just from judging from two games alone. I mean, he scored in the last game, which we missed, and tonight seven hits, guys damn like he's already leading the category and he's not afraid to throw on the bot and it's not even just that for me anyways i noticed he is so great at breaking out the puck from the boards or Mm -hmm. feeding literally anyone to the point where no one sees the puck coming all you see is the puck just stroll out and no one's there or they're just not expecting it i'm like damn like i have typed his name so many times tonight just I'm, i'm impressed yeah, and uh, I mean, David Camp, 71% on the dot. O'Reilly, 57% on the dot. Tavares got waved in for the one, obviously won it. Can you imagine the center gets waved out and you have to go against JT instead? JT was already like a top 10 centerman in this league for his percentage too. So it just adds like a whole versatility wrinkle that if they want to put ROR or even JT on the third line, it, it makes their top four lines so hard to play against and like in matching too it's i don't know Keith must be thrilled about this because going forward it's a huge huge coup for him wasn't there a question after the habs game about the face-off prowess <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of the questions actually that they asked during the intermission today was interesting is would you take o'reilly um game one of the playoffs is o'reilly going to be on the second line or third line center. And I want to know what you guys think of this. So Steph, we'll start with you. Well, I think it's just a great opportunity to test it out right now and not make that final decision because we're not in the playoffs yet. So why not try and get JT comfy on the wing and gather up some points like he did tonight and shut up the haters from Sunday night. And when the time comes and you need a better matchup, maybe put O'Reilly on the third third line and see how it works out before, you know, playoffs come. And we have already discussed Tampa's bottom six, right? Like, they're no joke, so. Sadie, what I do you know. think? Oh, that's a tough one, man. I think they're going to start him off as they are right now. He'll be playing second line center along JT, but if things go awry, then you obviously put him in the third line spot right away. Um, like I said, that's depth that they've never really had before going into the playoffs, and that's a huge, huge plus for this team right now. No wrong answers. Beaner, I see you nodding your head. you agree? Kind of. Um, 
like you know O'Reilly and JT can both work at center. We know that. That's where they've played the majority of their careers. So why not try what they're doing right now, putting one of them on the wing, to see if that can work, and you always have the fu- the fallback fail-safe, right? That yeah. you can go one, two, three, bang, bang, bang. And like they pointed out on the podcast, if point against Matthews, Stamkos against Tavares, and then you have to throw... Who are you, you doing? Paul? Or who's their fourth line center, Belmare, against yeah. O'Reilly? Like, come on. No, it's a good point, especially up against Tampa. You might want that for the third or fourth line. But what I read today was that Keith told uh, Tavares when he moved him to the wing that it wasn't going to be a one-time thing and to get used to it. So, I mean, whether that means for the long haul, like this is where you are now, or uh, he just means, you know, for a couple weeks at least, see how it works. But uh, honestly, I I kind of agree with Beaner that it, it looks good against the uh, the third and fourth lines there to move O'Reilly down. But uh, with how the third line played tonight, like Kerfoot and Yarncroke have been working really well together, and Engvall was good too. And that fourth line of uh, what is it, Aston Reese, Akari, or Achari, and um, Kerfoot, Kerfoot, Kerfoot. So who's who was on the third line then? It was Engvall. Ingvall, Yarn Yarncroke, and Camp. Yeah, Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> um, the third line worked really well. Uh, Yarncroke killed a ton of time there on that penalty kill. It was fantastic. Like they're they're just they're figuring out how to do the things that they need to do. You know, they're they're finding offense when the holes are there, and they're they're killing time when they need to kill time. It's I don't know. The fourth line's becoming the shutdown line that it needs to be. Akari was getting all up in Dali's face. Oh my god. Yeah, and it's nice to see that the puck is being cycled, the other team is being hemmed into their own zone, and the chances are coming. Like, countless times tonight, especially in the first period, how many times did Kerfoot try and feed Achari and vice versa? Even Czar. Like, I feel like there's a whole new life to this line that's super valuable. And just imagine once, you know, Poppy's line gets going... And then Ingvall gets a little scoring itch. This team is deep. Yeah. So, I mean, just to jump into the game, first period, Ryan O'Reilly scoring back-to-back 37 seconds apart. Like, I mean, obviously everybody's excited for him to get his first one, but to I, my stream was a little behind and I was seeing Twitter go up like, he scored again. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> don't, don't spoil this for me. What just happened? <laughs> And sure enough, him and Marner were just like on another level tonight. Even the passes that went to him where he didn't score, it was like he was Marner was finding him through three or four people. It's no wonder he finished the night with a career high five assists. That's insane. I think it's really important to point out, though, neither of these goals happen if it weren't for TJ Brody stopping the momentum yeah. of the Sabres going the other way. He literally, for, on the first goal anyways, he was there at neutral ice, breaks up the play, then uh, chips it to JT, who f- you know feeds Marner for the R- Ryan O'Reilly goal. And then the same thing happens. Buffalo chips it down into the Leafs zone. Brody retrieves the puck to Geo, comes back up. 30 seconds, 37 seconds later, they do it again. So I thought the D tonight... Well, especially Brody and I believe, who is he paired with? Timmins, right? 
they were good for me majority of the night, but then it really dropped off. We all know the game really dropped off in the second and third there. Yeah, the D was okay tonight. I feel like the forwards were bailing them out a bit. There was a lot of mm -hmm. uh, breaking up of plays in the neutral zone. You know, people were getting dropped from behind by the forwards when they weren't expecting it. I feel like they were bailing them out a lot, and it started to show as they stopped doing that in the second and third. At least that's what I took away. Um, so what do you uh, what do you think defensively was going on here? Uh, defensively, I thought we got a little bit relaxed. The, the forwards stopped going back a bit. But to Steph's point, like when Ryan O'Reilly scored those first two goals, he was the last man back on both of them at one point. So he was being very defensively responsible, and he was hauling his ass back into the offensive zone, and that's where he kind of got lost in the mix. So he was able to go kind of alone for both those goals. But to your question, you know, going up 4 nothing, the Leafs, I think they started playing on their heels a little bit, and defensively, we were not helping them out as much. So I don't really blame the defense as much as I blame the offense not coming back and helping out as much. Yeah, I think Timmons had a rough night. He's somebody who I think has been more good than bad since he's been on the team. But I feel like whenever he has a rough game, it's it's pretty obvious, and it starts with a penalty. And then yes. from there he gets frustrated, and then it kind of goes downhill. I feel like when his night starts off with some good offensive plays, he can ride that for the whole night. But I don't know. He he's still a little temperamental when it comes to uh, you know the mistakes. It's like with Rasmus Dahlin. You know, he gets frustrated, and then it just takes over the rest of his night. He, however, can turn it into cutting <laughs> through four guys and trying to score. Yes. With with regards to Timmons, though, there's something to be said for the consistency and knowing you're going to be in the lineup, right? Like we saw this previously when it came to Sandman and Lily. They would have flashes of brilliance and then they would have games where they just completely jumped in the freezer because they were worried. Even if they, even if they said they weren't, in the back of their minds, they were worried that every single little mistake is going to be what's going to pull them out of the lineup for the next game. Mm -hmm. Like you saw it against Montreal, Timmons played great. Like, he played great. He had two penalties. Okay, that happens. But he was also on the score sheet. He got points. And he was pulled out for the Chicago game. So then now this game, that's in the back of his mind again. It's like, oh, crap. You know, one little, yeah. one little oops, one little mess up, I'm going to be pulled out. So you, you can't be playing wondering about the next game. you got to stay in that game, and that can be difficult when you're in and out of the lineup. That's a good point, actually. Um, mm. So scratch tonight, we had Jordy Ben and Rasmus Sandin. So Sandin's not been scratched in i think this season he's injured so yeah 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 well there you go i missed that <laughs> uh <laughs> my bad <laughs> so um i guess until he's back we'll probably see timmons staying in the lineup so that should give him some uh some better games in the next couple of weeks but and since know, we're talking about we'll... d right now i'm sorry but i think Hall has been someone who's been playing really good lately. He hasn't been like noticed at all, which is a testament to his game, I think. He's been extremely steady. He's been negating all the mistakes he has been making, and I've really, really liked his game. No, I got to give it to him. And a lot of the American broadcasts that I've been watching the last few games have been uh, praising him and you know how cheap his deal is. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. Take I him. get it. Perspective. <laughs> <laughs> It's such a, a hot and cold. You know, you ask me week by week and I'll say, fine, we can keep him or I cannot watch another game of him. Ooh, do we want to do an Ed's text? I got a good one. Speaking of defense. Yes. Um, Let's hear it. O'Reilly hot. 
Riley sucks. Fair. Yeah, because his game could have gone AWOL in the third. Achari is sneaky and tough like his game. So um, my dad continuing his hate of Morgan Riley. Um, what do you guys think? Because the panel, again, to go back to what they talked about in the broadcast here, the panel was talking about how he's really got to find his game as the Leafs approach the playoffs here. He's starting to get there, but it's still not at the Morgan Riley level that we uh, we know and love, you know? So what do you guys think is the answer here? I don't know. I mean, the tuck goal tonight in the third period kind of fell on Riley a bit. He was too or too wide, couldn't take his man. Tuck had a complete free lane rushing to Samsonov and was able to bury it. And you mentioned Hall, um, Sadi, real quick. I think this Jeff Skinner goal was a little bit on Hall, unfortunately. Yeah, uh, he was out fair. of position and didn't have his man. But Riley, oh, of course I have the bias for Riley. He's our he's our boy, right? He's our quarterback here. But I don't know. I think it was on the rest of the team for the second and third. I mean, the, the first period, completely different. They put the defense first. The offense came immediately. Like, they were completely unstoppable. And then the second and third just fell off. No, loosey-goosey. And look at the result. Yeah, and I think part of it always comes back to my sticking point with Riley is that he's never had a partner. I mean, we went up against Ilya Labushkin tonight, who, you know, hasn't scored since he was a Leaf, fun fact. And uh, he was the most solid-looking partner and longest-term partner I think Riley's had in, mm-hmm. in, I don't know, five years. So that's a problem. It shouldn't be that way. And I think this is kind of what we're starting to see is he's coming back, and it's like, how do you get back in the groove if you're you're switching partners all the time and there's no um normal to come back to i guess because it's always changing for him i think it's it's tough to do that night in and night out oh it's a big challenge when you don't know who you're going to be playing with like if you're looking at him and saying he struggled tonight and this is me i know i'm biased in this opinion but he was paired with hall for 14 minutes yep and this I knew is you're going to say that. But this is my point is like, you're not doing him any favors by not finding him the proper defensive pair. I mean, TJ Brody was that Why did I, I get that Brody works well with, with Lilligren or with Timmons or with Sandine. Like you can put him with all these guys and you can solidify any of your second or third pairs. But I just, I feel like it hurts Riley to just keep switching whoever's on the first pair with him. But realistically, so for tonight with Sandman hurt, you had Riley Hall, you had Geo and Lily, and you had Brody and Timmons. I would rather that and take away a lot of Riley's game than have Riley, Brody, Geo, Lily, and Hall Timmons. Because I would rather then you're Lily just going to completely with... destroy Timmons' confidence. But in that in that case, I would put Lily with Riley. Yeah. And Barry Hall and Timmons. But that's the same thing, though. You're still having Hall completely destroy Timmons' confidence. Yeah, that's true. There's no. They're both right-handed. Yeah, fine. Okay. <laughs> fine, everybody can rip me. Moving on. Um, John Tavares picking up his 26th of the year from O'Reilly and Marner. This line 
continues to be unstoppable. We got to come up with a name for this now that we're talking about it. This was the question from uh, Mike the Fanatic. So what what do we call the second line? Eight points in seven minutes and 14 seconds for the second line in the first period. All Ontario boys. And you know what they say? Good things grow in Ontario. <coughs> yeah. I don't think that's the jingle, but it's yes, it is. <coughs> it so the, is. That was the jingle for the longest time. And thirteen what points throughout the whole game is pretty impressive. I don't know if it's still that because I don't pay for actual TV, so I don't. No, I'm just saying your your notes were <laughs> childhood. Your, your, your melody was wrong. The the words were right. Oh, so guys, I'm a blabber, not a singer. Okay. <laughs> It's okay. Okay, so we can do Ontario. Um, we got Magic. We got the Rhino. We got the Captain. We got a lot of things to work with here. I feel put on the spot. Homegrown. Homegrown, yeah, exactly. There you go. I don't know. Um, What's something? The Green Belt. <laughs> the Green Belt. The Green Belt. That's not bad. <laughs> That's actually a pretty good one. Um, I don't know the something four one the GTA. Um, well, GTA uh, goals tan and apples. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the abbreviation? We have T. Let's see, M N O T M O T O R Toronto. Call the GTB. Good Toronto boys. Then, but then you have then you have Marner there too, so you messed it up. I was thinking Tavares and O'Reilly, Toronto. Marner is the orchard of it all. He's the apple picker. He's it's the apple grower. Funny how Marner gr- grew in Ontario. <laughs> he's like the undisputed <laughs> engine of this offense now, right? Like I, I think Matthews is by far the most talented and best player here, but without Marner, this does not go. He is proving that game in and game out. He is everything that drives this offense. And yeah, everything is just going through him right now. It's super impressive to watch. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we should, um, Ontario shout out, have a Big Apple Award. And the Big Apple Award tonight goes to uh, Mitch Marner. <laughs> and somebody can, whoever, whoever has another crazy Apple night can take it from him. But I'm pretty sure it's just going to live with Marner for the rest of the season. TMO. The last time much Ontario. The Maple Leaf had five assists on the road was Borgin Salmin in 1977. Oh, wow. Get one up to me. Nice. <laughs> wow. um, okay, we'll come back to the name. We'll come up with something. Send us what you think it should be, but it's something Ontario. I don't know. There's so many things to work with here. Homegrown. Uh, yeah, homegrown. I don't know. I like Greenbelt. Or like the blue belt. I don't know. We'll workshop it. Michael Bunting, yeah. uh, scoring on a Scarberia. break. Break a wish, break break away ish, uh, <laughs> from uh, Riley and Nylander. This one, I did not think this was going to go in. He caught uh, UPL little little out of position there. 
Actually, Samuelson kind of gets caught with Nylander at the Leafs' blue line, and they fall on top of each other somehow. And Riley just collects the random puck off that little scramble and feeds Bunting. And yeah, I can't believe he scored it either. Uh, I'm s- UPL. I don't know what was wrong tonight. Uh, usually he's a nice little sneaky fantasy pickup when the time is right. But tonight, 600. Uh, I know he's he having, got pulled afterwards. He's having a bad season. He's like a sub 900 and like a 370 or 3.7 goals against or something. Like he was a lot better last year when the team was worse, which is crazy. <laughs> 748 left in the period and the Leafs chased him out of the net. Yeah, maybe there's something to be said about when your team gets better, they're playing away from their own net more. <laughs> well, n- not only that, they're playing a completely different style. Like Buffalo's in the top of the league now for goals, right? Yep. And yeah, well, that's what I mean. Like they're playing away from him and just opening up a lot more chances for UPL to let in goals. After the first 11 minutes, the shots were 8-1 to for Toronto, and those are really, really high-end chances, too. So they kind of left him out to dry, I think. It wasn't completely all on him. Oh, for sure. And they, that was something I talked about, is uh, Buffalo is one of the worst teams for giving up slot chances, and the Leafs are one of the best teams at scoring them. So mm. that's where everything was going to come from tonight. And that's kind of what happened. What I was looking at specifically was that the Sabres are the worst in the league on the dot. So I was wondering during this first period, were they losing every single draw? And I'm just looking here, you know, Tage Thompson, 22% tonight. Then uh, you have Dylan Cousins, 33%. And who's the third line center? Akposo, 71%. That was the best tonight. But I don't know. I think this is really affecting them. And even though they're scoring third overall goals for their 24th overall for goals against. And the only thing that's really keeping them afloat is their power play. They're 25% on their power play, but the penalty key kill is 30%. It's like they can only outscore their problems and there's no other support for them. Speaking of their power play, uh, Leafs shut it down tonight and go to 19 in a row. And I think 31 of their last 33 penalties they've killed. That's crazy. They haven't let one in since the All-Star break. Now, to be fair, they they did have a bye week after the All-Star break, unlike most teams, but still, it counts. Ugh. That's an interesting stat, now, especially when, the... you th- when you think of like Ryan O'Reilly, too, because he is an elite penalty killer, and he's going to be on your second penalty kill lineup, and so that should only get better. Oh, yeah. Um, Matthews was only 30% tonight on the dot. That's unfortunate. He had a bit of a rough now, night. Now, the Leafs, uh, yeah. Uh, first shot on net over 10 minutes into the first for Sammy, but then the Leafs just completely went downhill on the shot counter. I mean, what, 11 in the second period? No, 8 in the second period, and not much after in the third, and completely played their game, it seemed, in the first until the end of the third. But I remember you saying in our group chat, Southey, it was the start of the third and the Leafs only had like eight shots from the end of the first. So nothing was going to the net or hitting the net anyway. There was one point, I did the math, the Leafs were on pace to outshoot the Sabres 48-9. to And I'm like, if this stays, this is going to be a really bad game for the Sabres. 
and oh my god 32 to 29 are the final shots like you would never know that at one point it was so tilted in one direction and i think it was seven in a row that um buffalo got in the second period there when the leafs got one it was almost like when you're watching a team in basketball go on a run you're like how have they scored so many before the other team's gotten one like it's just uh flipped on its head this game yeah with 10 minutes left in the third period sorry they only had i think seven shots for that 30 minutes sorry it's crazy no no it's all good i was just like score effect is legitimate right a lot of people laugh at stuff like that but you even if you're not meaning to in a mindset you legitimately change the way you're playing and the way you approach every single shift depending on the score if it's nothing nothing one one two two three two whatever you're going to be playing a lot tighter a lot more crisp if you're up four five nothing well okay whatever points night boys let's just go out there mm-hmm. yeah and let's get to that so william nylander picking up the power play goal in the second making it five nothing and that's where the leaves went great good game fellas start packing the bags <laughs> yeah. oh, oh man God. four goals in 12 minutes and nine seconds in the first period and then the second starts and matthews gets a puck to the chest uh, i don't i didn't even think he was going to come back for a sec it looked really painful and then yeah, no shots fun. for over four minutes yeah, and luckily, man, I do have to applaud the Leafs for converting on their power play lately on the first opportunity anyway, um, because this is super helpful in times like this, especially or when you're down in the game. Not, I'm not saying times like this. What am I? What do I mean? We're five nothing at this point, but I mean when you're in the third and teams are coming back, and you know you had that extra power play goal that you banked that you can rely on in case you know. It gets close in, in an even game. I just yeah. went crazy with that thought. But anyways, do you get what I mean? <laughs> yeah. The Leafs are not like the late 90s Devils team. So when they're up a couple goals, I don't like when they go back on their heels. I wish they would still have their foot a little bit on the gas. Like even just implement like their cycle game. You don't have to be taking wild chances. But when they start playing 1-2-2, two, two, that's when this team is not really at their best. They need to be on the attack. They need to be pressuring them at least a little bit to take you know time of attack at least but uh, yeah again they kind of fell into that whole thing where they're just going to protect the lead and that doesn't really work for this roster no and it's again you don't have a big name shutdown defenseman yeah we got tj brody yes we have giordano yes lilligren's been great in front of the net but there's nobody that's you know 10 out of 10 every time going to be able to stand up to like Tage Thompson or Jeff Skinner or Alex Tuck flying down the side if you push too far forward. So, like, I get it, but you're absolutely right. Um, when they take their foot off the gas, it's when all the weaknesses show. Like, as soon as that first goal went in from from Quinn in the third period, I was like, uh, that's not going to be the last one, is it? Like, you you know with this team, like, as soon as it's it's they're on the board, it's like, Strapping. I do got to say, uh, Lilligren had a huge hit in the second period against Giergensen, um, off the puck behind Samsonov. And I don't know, I felt like the boys were throwing around their weight tonight, but Achari just sticks out for me when it comes to like that. This new fourth line is just so physical and even more so than when we used to have Wayne Simmons and Clifford because they. They bring some skill to the to to the to their game as well, and Hundo P. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, Alex Tuck and Jeff Skinner picking up their 27 and 22nd goals of the year. Uh, Sammy, I'm not going to say he looked bad on them. Like maybe one of these he could have had back, but he was pretty much left alone on them. Like this was when we saw Timmons making a couple fumbles here. And uh, there was the give, uh, giveaway from Engvall, I think, as well. I mean, it was like we said. You know, when they take their foot off the gas and they're playing in their own zone, trying to kill time, it doesn't work. Yeah, and I honestly thought the momentum was going to switch because Buffalo's coming off their power play and um, Timmins took that one, of course. So I thought, you know, in good Timmins, Timbits fashion, uh, it was going to go next for us. But Ingvall tries to bank it, but it goes completely out of I don't the loop like czar is nowhere to be found and I don't know I'm just thinking of pickles from our discord saying that PK Subban jinxed it on the intermission for ESPN plus <laughs> I'm like damn Subban you know better than to say that those things and screwing our Sammy shutout but this yeah. one was kind of on Ingval unfortunately yeah I find the thing that they have the biggest trouble with is clearing out of their zone when they get caught without icing it like every time that they're stuck in their zone it's like the only answer they have is icing the puck and they just end up stuck there for like three minutes like we saw tonight where you know they almost let one in because the entire line was out there for i think it was a minute 40 or something and finally aston reese was able to get one into the middle there but uh it seems to be their biggest struggle right now is clearing out of their zone it also doesn't help in the third that, you know, even after the Jack Quinn goal, uh, the Leafs still didn't have a shot on net for the third period. And then what happens next? Tuck scores. Riley's out of position. Literally skates to the middle through Matthews, Riley, Nylander, Hall. Samsonov is the last boss to face. And of course, he slays the dragon, makes it, what, five to two. And we're, we're sweating. We're like, oh, shit. Like, is this happening right now? Yeah. Uh, it was uh, a little shaky, those three goals in a row. But, uh, I mean, obviously the goalie was going to come out of the net. And good on the team for trying to rally and get O'Reilly his his hat trick there. So Marner manages to find him at the end. And, uh, man, I didn't know if this one was going to go in, but it just manages to sneak in at the last possible second. And uh, Marner picking up his 51st assist on the year and his 71st point. Oh, my Lord. I mean, yeah, O'Reilly Hattrick, but like he's the new guy. Got to give love to our boy Mitch for cracking 70 points already. Again, Martin's Hell the yeah. engine that's driving all of this, right? He's not going to get the accolades that Matthews is going to get. He's not going to get the accolades that RR is going to get right now because he's the new toy. But without him, none of this happens. He just yeah. he, he took his game this year to an absolute another level that like we all knew he was good but I don't know if we realized he was this good. Like, he, he showed yeah. glimpses of it when he was with London. Like, I yeah. saw a couple games when he was with the London Knights, and he was absolutely incredible. And what he did their playoff run when they went to the Memorial Cup, like, yes, he mm -hmm. had great players on that team with him, but he was phenomenal. And it's looked like he's possibly found that gear now in the NHL that he's got the vision and the ability that he can just do whatever he wants out there i mean you're 100 on the point like i used to watch him when he played in london a lot too and i when we drafted him i was so excited because i thought he can actually bring that type of skill and ability to the nhl 
And it really does feel like this is the first time in his career where he's just like, he can do anything he wants, right? No one can really stop him. Uh, yeah, I can't say enough about how good he is this year. My favorite is watching the American broadcast for them just gushing about Marner. It's like this guy, like it's unbelievable what he's doing. These passes, this is crazy. He was at three assists. Oh, now he's at four. O'Reilly got the empty net and they're like, hey, guess who assisted it? Like they're just joking about how crazy it is that this guy is all over the ice, just commanding every play. Yeah, he's able to get it through Darlene, Middlestat, you know, <laughs> Ryan O'Reilly squeaking this goal through. He's thank, thanking uh, Krebs on the end. He's the one who tapped it in. But the confidence, the shot, he's taking the shot. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. there's been games where we're screaming and the hesitation, but it's nowhere near what it used to be like, right? Like, especially with his line mates now, he's not afraid to find JT or O'Reilly. He knows, like, even on the first or second goal by O'Reilly and, like, that feed finding someone, like, he's feeding from the goal line back center in front. It's like, yes, someone is there. And it <sighs> connected. Like, how many times has that not connected and just drives you insane? Obviously, I'm biased, but I think he is the best passer in the league. And, and to your point, Steph, the way that he's shooting this year, it opens up a lot more room for him to pass because the defensemen have to respect his shot now. So that adds, that, that adds like a whole new wrinkle to his game that has been, like to Buner's point, like this year has just been night and day compared to the rest of his career. Yeah, when he's coming at you with speed, man, of course you're shaking in your boots, right? Like you don't know which way he's going to go and his edges, he's just magic. But uh, I got to ask you guys, uh, you, do you miss the booch, the boosh, the Labushkin here or mm, not anymore? Not anymore. I'd take him over Hall. Yeah, <laughs> I, I would. Um, they're about the same price. What did they give him? Like 2.5 or 2.2 or something? Um, I would take Labushkin just because of the physical game that he brings. And I don't know. The fact that he hasn't scored okay. since last season with the Leafs is maybe a bit of a bit. But... I don't know. If one hit, uh, one block. Touching on this tonight, but like we all think that there's going to another move that's going to happen right on the D end. Oh, I I think so. Um, with that, let's go to questions though, because we definitely have one on on that, okay. and I asked for some input on that exact point. Um, so before we do, this is just a, a tweet that Lucas sent us. This is from Jesse Pollock. Leafs have found their missing puzzle piece. Shit. <laughs> gotta love that thanks Jesse yes feels good um, the other one Steph do you have any from Discord while I pull up the one that I asked earlier uh, let me check one more time um, did you do so I asked um, what pieces left for Dubas to acquire D goalie depth let us know and Chris uh, Hurley of Hurley Sports says third line winger to play with Ryan O'Reilly, Domi, Janot, Lafferty, Bugstad. What do you guys Ooh. think of those picks? I've talked about Domi just for the lols. I want them to get Domi and I want them to get McCabe and Luke Shen. And <laughs> we're all set. But uh, in all seriousness, I think in this group, I would take Tanner Janot. Um, oh, yeah. 
probably Tanner Janot, just because he's had a down season and last year he was really good. So I think you might be able to get him for cheaper than the other guys. And Nashville's not in a super blow it up mode like the other guys might be. I don't mind Janot, especially because he's that type of player that he plays that little, that grittiness, right? Like he'll... yeah. Didn't at one point last year he was leading the league in hits and fights or something like that? Yeah, he's, yeah, nasty. he's a fantasy hit pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a couple things out there, and I think uh, I think Marty was one of the ones who shared it. And I actually don't mind the idea of like a Luke Shen Brock Besser package from Vancouver. What would you give up for it? We don't have any picks left. Uh. Kerfoot, Hall, and next year's first. I mean... That's a massive overpay, but you're also going to be wanting them to retain some of Besser's salary. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you're sending Kerfoot home and the first... uh, I just find it hard to... like. Anytime there's a package of like, yeah, we'll just send Kerfoot and Hall. It just seems like, yeah, the two that we don't want that everybody in Leafs Nation is like, we don't want these guys. Let's just ship them out. It just seems like nobody's going to take that. But I might also be biased because of the echo chamber of Leafs hate. You also it also depends where you're sitting. multiple teams who went after Cody Cece after he played for the Leafs too. So, Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> we also yeah. offloaded Nikita Zaitsev. So. What's mm-hmm. that, Sophie? It depends where you send Kerfoot to, right? If you're sending him to a non-playoff team, then he doesn't really push the needle at all. But he is someone who can help a playoff team right now, too. So really depends on salaries and stuff. But he is an interesting trade piece right now. Yeah, because, I mean, Vancouver could be in a position where they they take him and flip him or somebody else could take him and flip him, like a rebuilding team. Also, this whole thing about St. Louis being in on Timo Meyer now that they got the pick yeah, from that's weird. O'Reilly trade with Toronto. It's like, what? If they come in and steal the bell of the ball when uh, they're rebuilding just to re-sign him for you know the next couple of years, I think that'd be the biggest slap in the face to everybody going for the playoffs. Let me pose this to you guys. How do you feel? And this is totally dependent on what this player wants to do. But if Kane tells management, I'll go to Toronto or New York, that's it. You trade maybe a future second and a third for him. How do you feel about that? Just because he's saying he's going to go to somebody that we have to play against on our trip to the Cup, you just spend whatever to get him just so that New York can't have him. Because I feel like his asking price is going to be low just because of the amount of teams like he's going to want to go to. So they're handcuffing Chicago right there, but... That makes it interesting if you want to put Ryan O'Reilly on the third line. That gives you an elite winger on each line. The only thing with that is, yet again, you're going to have to be probably getting another team to broker a quarter of the salary. Because what's Kane's hit? 10-5? Right now we only have $4.4 million of deadline cap space. So even at 50%, we're still over. You need two teams. Or if you can... Include someone like Kerfoot in that trade. Even then, his salary is a little low right now, but you do need a third team to eat that other salary, right? Yeah. Getting Patrick Kane at two and a half million, though, if it's retained through two teams, that'd be hilarious. I love, like, the salary cap is so stupid. Like, the fact that you can do this, where I just, yeah, here, we'll retain through this team. Do you guys want, what, a fourth or a fifth round for it? Great. Here you go. And it's just all these little things 
are just a slap in the face to the rules. It's like just fucking revamp this, please. Ugh. If the if the Leafs got Patrick Kane for like a mil or two, Gary Bettman would come down and veto that trade and be like, no. Not for you, Toronto Maple Leafs. You are not allowed to have all of the elite <coughs> players. And now I'm making up a new rule, and you can't do that right now. You can only do one uh, retention through two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, some stupid ass rule that's like effective immediately. Blah yeah. blah 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 blah, and we're like, fuck. No, he'll say it was always there, and he'll pull up some page in Bill Daly's scribbled handwriting. It's like in the back of the book. Uh, Poets Scotia D. I believe a defense-minded, bruising player who will keep forwards away from creating mayhem in front of Sammy slash Wall. In long series, you can't have enough heavy players. I agree. I think um, it's going to be tough to go after somebody like McCabe, but uh, I also think that Lilligren did a really good job of clearing the front of the net tonight. I think he's yep. kind of growing into that role, uh, learning from Geo. But he's uh, not big, but he's nasty. Just to have Exactly, but I think to have another person just to to keep, like it's not a bad thing to have another one of those to keep people out from in front of the net. So, is that uh, someone like maybe Shen? Who is that though? I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's a good he's, one. Actually, he's low cost. You know what he brings? He's a steady stay at home defenseman. He's not going to do anything offensively, but he will be responsible defensively. That's. Honestly, a good one. Who else was on this list? He's won a cup. No. Pull it up. Yeah, like, and, and I, that's the point I was just going to bring up there, Sully. Like, part of it's me being nostalgic because I loved Shen when the Leafs drafted me him. Too. And he, even when he had his down years on those bad Leaf teams, I still loved the guy. And I was really, despite the fact that Tampa was winning, I was really happy to see him have some success. Um, you have a guy who knows his role. Like, when he was on the Lightning, he wasn't stirring it up you know i was a top five pick in the nhl blah blah blah. i want more ice time he knew he wasn't the best defenseman on that team he knew he probably wasn't even the seventh best defenseman on that team but when he had to he came in played did his job and he can play that physical clear the net style that you know everybody is saying that we need not like i don't want to yeah I think it kind of goes to your point earlier, what you mentioned about Timmons too. Like he's always, am I in the lineup if I'm not? But Shen doesn't really worry about that stuff because if he's in, he knows his role and he's going to play that game every single game that he's in. So that's someone you don't really have to worry about that too much. So that kind of entices me a little bit more. Um, Going to somebody maybe a little cheaper at the bottom of this list, uh, Joel Edmondson from Montreal. What do you think of that one? A lot of a lot of head scratching going on here around the circle. <laughs> Do you think he pushes the needle enough for you? Say. I mean, I think no. it I, not a a ton compared to Luke Shen, but I think it's some I think it's enough of an improvement for a low cost if you have to do a, a final thing. Like if they're still bringing in a bigger piece with the four million and they've got like, you know, whatever. I don't even know what his contract is, but if you're looking at Montreal D, do you maybe consider David Savard instead and pay a tiny bit more? Because his name's been thrown out there too. Yeah. Um, what is Edmondson's at three and a half a season? And what's David? Yeah, David Savard's a, a decent defense 
pick there. One sec. I'm just trying to grab this. I trust Dubis and, you know, just looking at the cat friendly for Vancouver for one sec, two big names jumping out like sore thumb, like sore thumbs, uh, Ilya Mikheyev on LTIR and Travis Dermott on IR. <laughs> so uh, bittersweet, you know, uh, we could be in the same situation as them and hopefully Dubis goes after someone who's interested in staying, right? That's a huge thing for him, uh, not just pay a lot for a rental and someone who will take a team-friendly contract, maybe an Ontario boy again. So here's the thing with that. Luke Shen's deal expires at the end of this year. Edmondson and Savard, um, just for example, are both signed past this year. So Edmondson yes. signed next year, Savard signed for the next two years, both at three and a half million. So it's not a crazy big deal, uh, but it's obviously it's not insignificant. It's not a, a league min contract that you might be able to get Shen to stick around on if you bring him in, but it's also a question mark and he could just leave and sign for more somewhere else because apparently his value has gone up because even though he's on an 850k expiring deal, everybody all of a sudden wants Luke Shen. I have to <laughs> hand it to his agent who has done a fantastic job of uh, getting the conversation going around somebody who really I, I didn't think we'd be talking about right now. Well, to be fair, like this is not a buyer's market, right? This is a seller's market. There's not too many big name or even that many names out there in general, right? Well, I mean, the fact that Nolachari was listed as number 10 on uh, TSN's list of yeah. trade bait. I mean, we got two of the top 10. Great. It just seems like that's crazy to think about. And like... Um, yeah. um, I don't know, this idea of like keeping people for years after this one, I, I'm not a huge believer in that. Like, this is our window right now. Let's do whatever you have to do. Let's fucking do this this year. We'll figure out stuff in the off season, but let's bring in who we need to and not worry about contract status after this year. An another one who has kind of gone off the radar, probably because of how shitty of a team he's been on all season, is uh, John Klingberg. Yep, Klingberg and Goss's Bear are both on that list too. Um, as much talk as there is around Chikrin, I think Ghost is going to be a pretty big one that uh, Arizona can move on as well. Uh, Klingberg, I don't know. I've never got the hype around him. Like he's he moved to Anaheim and things didn't, or what? From Anaheim to Dallas or Dallas to Anaheim? Dallas Sorry, to Anaheim, yeah. Dallas to Anaheim and Anaheim's been shit. Like. <laughs> They thought that that was going to be the first piece of them putting things back together. And now they're like, we don't know what to do. So clearly that didn't work. And I just, I don't love the headspace that he's probably in over the last few years. I don't either, because I feel like he's on the same wavelength as Riley right now. They're both trying to figure out their offensive game and you don't need two players doing that right now. Speaking of this whole talk around Edmonton getting Carlson, like um, we tried having two Tyson berries. It doesn't work. Like they're gonna learn that real quick if they spend a ton on Carlson. They're gonna have Tyson Berry going. Uh, so what do I do here? <laughs> and then they're gonna go. Wait, Tyson's not that good at anything. And he goes, "Fuck you guys. Put me back to what I was doing." I don't know if you saw tonight, but he scored a power play goal with three seconds left in the period, and it was their first shot in Ooh. like fifteen minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it was it, right it... off a of faceoff. Oh my god. Well, it'll be interesting to see what these 
veterans pick right and if they want to go to a contending team for the right price uh, I feel like a lot of these bigger names have so much control but there's no movement because there's either the price is too high or I don't know or they waited too long kind of like Patrick Kane and the Rangers in a sense but Mm, we'll see I think it's interesting that we've seen Tarasenko and O'Reilly both go so long before the deadline because uh, it's going to make deadline pretty boring for the guys that got to sit there for six hours. Um, And uh, it also sets the market like pretty far in advance. You know, there's not as much speculation. I think a lot of deals are going to be things that were sitting on the table are going to be rehashed now between uh, today and deadline. Like, I think that threw everything for a spin because, you know, what was being talked about, they can now say, okay, hold, pump the brakes here. The Leafs only had to spend that. We're not spending, we're not giving you our top prospect now. Like, only had to spend that. You must not be reading Cerevelli's reports. (laughs) Oh, Frankie. Well, when the conversation has been around Matthew Nyes being traded, and like all the names people were throwing around, the fact that it was like, oh, Adam Gaudet, who barely cracked the lineup that we signed in the offseason, and a couple picks and a lower prospect, like a mid-tier prospect. Great. That was not what everybody was talking about the Leafs having to spend for any of these things. It's not what we talked about them having to spend even to get Ryan O'Reilly back in December. We thought it was going to be more than that. And they got him retained 75%. Like, yeah. That's the thing I think that's going to be the sticking point for other teams is they're going to go, oh, and you're going to retain. What do you mean? I, I love <laughs> well, seeing but the closer. Got, we've got Seattle on the phone or Arizona on the phone, and they're willing to take 25. The closer you get to deadline, though, the stakes get a little higher. The pressure gets a little more. So that's when you start seeing deals that maybe you wouldn't see a couple of weeks ahead. So that's why I really, really appreciate what Dubas did and like got this deal done two weeks ahead of time. We even hit, yeah. Sorry, Johnny, go ahead. No, 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 go for it. I was just gonna say, like, for the most part, Dubis has preferred doing things a little bit at a time, right? Like the Muzzin trade, I think that was a couple weeks. At, actually, I think that one was in same with Felino. Maybe even a month before the yep. deadline, like the Campbell trade, everything, right? I think the Felino was in December. Yeah. Like he does a lot of things beforehand, and then on the deadline, he typically doesn't like to do anything major which isn't a bad thing because it gives the, the players that extra handful of games to get, you know, acclimated to their team, to their city, everything like that. True. And yeah, he kind of dictates the market too. pretty close to the end of the season. Sorry, what's that, Sophie? Yeah. Cause like he kind of gets to dictate the market too. And like what you said, Johnny, the, like the trade deadline is really, really close to the end of the season. It's, I think it's probably 10, 15 games too close, but once you start going down to the wire like that, then you you are probably going to overpay more than you would if you made a deal a couple of weeks ahead of time. Yeah, I think the the name that came up that made me really think about like how little players get to acclimate to their teams. Um, who was it who went back? Was it Sammy Blay? No, fuck that, not that one. Who was the one that the Rangers yeah, got Blay. back? It wasn't him. Not that I'm thinking. I'm thinking of somebody else. Got it. Somebody. Mott. Mott. Tyler Mott. Tyler Mott. Yeah. Tyler Mott that they rented last year. And I was looking at how many games he played. And it was like nine regular season games before they went into the playoffs. Like, I I can't imagine trying to get a guy acclimated into your lineup 
nine games before the playoffs and that was like your one of your rentals like that's crazy that's like what we were looking at with Nick Foligno so I get doing it this much earlier because you know you get an extra whatever six to ten games with the player true Foligno was an interesting case because he had to do the 14 day quarantine but yeah getting someone so late it's so crazy 14 day quarantine he was still hurt I forgot (laughs) Okay, uh, so with a few minutes left here, we're going to play a clip from uh, Lord Batman. So everybody mute up for a sec. The NHL could not be more supportive of the Coyotes' efforts to make the Tempe Entertainment District a reality. But in order for that to happen, we need you, fans of the team, community members and residents, to come out and show your support. Please vote in support of the Tempe Entertainment District, and let's bring a new arena and a permanent home for the Coyotes right here in Tempe. Desperation is a stinky cologne. So before we even unpack that, um, today, friend of the NHL, Akeem Alio uh, retweeted <laughs> this video. Uh, did you guys see this? What he quoted it with? Yeah. No. So uh, Akeem Alio, does it get any more embarrassing? Commissioner of the NHL begging Arizona taxpayers for votes to fund a new arena while the team has lost millions of dollars spanning decades. While there are multiple viable markets to move this team, all while players cover costs for the foreseeable future. Oof. Torched. But he's not yeah. wrong. No, he's not. Like I've yeah. never seen any of these arena votes go through that had to be assisted by the commissioner, like putting out a campaign saying, like, hey guys, vote yes on prop whatever for your new He arena. comes across as like a shifty politician just grifting his way into what he wants. Yeah, it's it just screams of this is my project, you know, like he's personally invested. There's no way he would be on the ground doing this for any other team in this league. Like with Ottawa right now, when all they're going through, he's it's all behind doors. It's setting up meetings for Ryan Reynolds and letting that all happen. It's this is the one where he's like, no, I personally want to and need to be involved in what happens here. And it's becoming more and more obvious with every step of this plan for the last i don't know two years now that's just been falling apart <sighs> it's like he huge... has to follow through on his side of the deal and deliver to some sort of promise now he's crying for the help i don't know there is legitimately huge... five arenas in the ohl that can see more than <laughs> the arena the coyotes are in right now in the ontario hockey league that teenagers play in yeah Boy. To me, it's a, a big case of like term limits on commissioners because this is just getting out of control. It's like Johnny said, it's a pet project for him at this point, and everyone seems to see through it but him. Yeah. Uh, just to expand this from just ripping on Arizona and Batman, um, I read more into Marty Walsh, who's going to be taking over the NHLPA. 
And this is why I think things are going to get real interesting for the next um, whatever labor bargaining dispute that happens between uh, him and Batman. So like we mentioned, Marty Walsh is leaving his post as the secretary of labor for President Joe Biden. So this is already like somebody who's in charge of how employees are treated, essentially. Uh, But looking at his history, he was the mayor of Boston and before that joined the Laborers Union Local 223 at age 21 and served as the union's president from his time in state legislature until he became mayor of Boston. So Hmm. this guy, his entire career has just been in unions and fighting for workers. So uh, no, he's not a lawyer, but does he know exactly what he's doing here? And does he know how to take lawyers on? Yeah. And this is going to be real fun to watch. It's going to be fun in the most C-SPAN ass boring way. (laughs) It's a David and Goliath type of thing, right? Well, on the bright side, which one's which? On the bright side, I found out, or we found out recently, that NOHL team is temporarily being moved from 50 minutes away from me to being 30 minutes away from me. So the Hamilton Bulldogs are going to be the Brantford Bulldogs for a couple seasons. So when there is a lockout over that, then I can go to more OHL games. (laughs) Whoa. Nice. What What happened there? Just saying. Oh, uh, well, the first Ontario Center has to go through a bunch of renovations. Oh. So, you so, know, the, um, the Civic Center in Brantford that used to be one of the off-season training grounds and and training camp places for, like, the Detroit Red Wings in the 60s is still open and is going to house the Hamilton or the Brantford Bulldogs for a couple of seasons. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, Want to hear a fun Ottawa fact? Yes. For $30, you can either buy a ticket um, to an Ottawa 67's Windsor Spitfire game, or you can get a BOGO deal with the Sens and get two games for $30. That's awesome. <laughs> what deal is this? I got emailed a BOGO leave, or um, Sens deal. I'll send it to you. But it's oh. for like some of the games aren't bad actually but uh yeah 30 bucks and you can pick two games <laughs> all right might do that wow 67s against spitfires wouldn't be too bad you'd get to see shane right true yeah i've been kind of checking td place when is this friday is that this friday at seven if you go let me know you want to go sure this friday let's do it General admission is fifteen dollars. <laughs> there you go. They have cheap beer. Oh, I love it! And TD is so much easier to get to than the Canadian Tire Center. Complete side note: You have tickets for the Leafs game on April first, right? Yeah. Oh, here we go. Hell yeah! Um, yeah, for anyone who doesn't know, the Sixty Sevens Arena is like literally in the core of the like middle of Ottawa. <laughs> it's, it should be where the NHL arena should be. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, anything we close off with tonight? Let's get out of here. It's late. A couple Leafs notes for history. Asa. Um, yesterday, 
24 years ago was opening night at the ACC, now Scotiabank Arena. Fuck, I'm old. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Sussy. <laughs> um, I remember that. And then, unfortunately, on this day, back in 1974, one of the greatest Leafs to ever play the game passed away suddenly in a car accident. And now they make Greek wraps and burrito bowls in his name, right? Uh, yeah, and flatbread pizzas. Yeah. Um, Tim Horton. <laughs> what a way to honor him. Tim Horton played parts of 20 different seasons with the Maple Leafs franchise. Wow. That's wild. And one of the greatest defensemen to ever play the game. He was playing for the Sabres at the time, driving back from Toronto to Buffalo and was in a accident. Hmm. Wow. Well, yeah. Beaner, I had that earlier stat about the five assist game, but you came back and took the crown as it is yours. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim Horton wouldn't be happy to learn that you now need to spend $30 at Tim Hortons to get a free coffee with the new point system. I know, complete change of topic Wait, here. <laughs> I was trying to figure out what you guys meant by all that. So you win points from doing the Tim's picks, but you have to spend $30 to be able to use the points? No, so pretty much after so many visits, you would get a free item, but now the points are per dollar instead of per visit, so you oh. must spend a certain amount to get the points. I mean, per visit oh. is just a stupid business model in general. Like, I've never yeah. heard of a place that just, besides like, I don't know, Subway punch, like with the sub card, like, it just seems a little, like points should be based on how much you spend. This is the thing that pisses me off about optimum points when I go to Loblaws and it's like, why is it not, why don't I just get points for what I spend? Why do I have to spend like $10 on avocados to get 300 bonus points? It's stupid. But it's kind of like McDonald's where, you know, after like buying seven, you get a, your next free, but now mm -hmm. you must spend. That's not what McDonald's is, is. McDonald's is points. For all the money you spend, you get points and you can use the points to buy shit on the app Johnny knows. well remember the stickers off the cups oh i do oh i think i don't know if they still do that i, yeah, I remember they were McDonald's doing it recently pizzas okay like come on me too yeah i remember that <laughs> they were amazing you? yeah you guys are old hashtag bring them back <laughs> but yeah apparently there's have, one uh, mcdonald's in the state somewhere that still does it yes there is mm. i have a friend who went to it um <laughs> the the nostalgic Tim, uh, McDonald's thing I have is the uh, the Spy Kids toys. Those were like the coolest oh. thing when I was a kid, because like they gave you like the the glasses that made you look like a little spy, and there was like all these gadgets that did things. I remember that, and the Arch Deluxe. That was the height of my my was dad. The height of Happy Meal toys. I don't know if you guys remember when um, Inspector Gadget came out. There was all the oh, yes. yeah. Happy Meal toys that you pieced oh, together yeah. to make like a foot and a half two foot tall inspector gadget my dad literally drove across the country to get me all those <laughs> oh my lord nice. I, you just unlocked a weird core memory that had been lost <laughs> i totally forgot about that thing the 90s was, was like, a funny oh, thing I for that 
Remember when, like, the whole Pepsi points and they got sued over the jet because someone tried saving up for all those Pepsi points? Oh, that's an awesome Netflix special. It is. That and uh, while we're on it, McMillions, if you guys haven't seen that. I think it's very good, too. Another Netflix one to watch because of the humor is just absolutely incredible is Kong Con Earth. Oh, I've seen that. It's funny as hell. Nice. I think I'm, as of today, locked out of Netflix, but we'll see. <laughs> Pay your bill, Johnny. I totally recommend Kunk on Earth. Uh, oh, Steph, I we checked out that uh, dating show, The Perfect Match. Do you like it? You didn't tell me Shane from Love Is Blind is on it. He's my favorite. And Chase oh, from from my Tuba God and Francesca, yeah. the Ottawa homegirl. I Come didn't on. want to ruin it. Uh, she's from Vancouver. Nope, she's from Manitoba. Nice try. Oh, from well, the first show you put. Vancouver. Yeah, because so. saying you're from Vancouver sounds a lot better than saying you're from Manitick. <laughs> well, obviously, I've never Googled her. Yeah. Clearly. What do you think of me? If you're from Manitick, no, 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 you're I rich just... as fuck, though, so that's not too bad. Yeah, I think oh. it just, she was living. Well, look at her. She was living in Vancouver when she went on the show, but she's from here. She needs a budget just to keep up with the, <laughs> the features, like Regardless. the plastic, right? I like the the addition of all these people from other shows, but uh, the show itself kind of the the premise is a little lame. It is, yeah, and but it gets better because you're kind of forced to stay in the relationship. So they're not actually looking for love, of course, but it gets kind of cutthroat. Did you watch the first four episodes? Um, kind of. They've been on. I think Emily's more into it than I am. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm just. I was just more excited for the the, the namesake, you know. And then you see the board of all the previous. Uh... Anyway. Anyways. Good night, Friday, everybody. Minnesota. Yep. Minnesota, Kirill Kaprizov and uh, Flurry, Flurry. If he's in, Gustafson played tonight, but. I've I need some starts, Flurry. Gustafson. Okay. Gustafson's been my little fantasy stream lately. Oh, Him man. and Phoenix Copley. Oh, and Connor Ingram. I've had the, the most random goalies coming up clutch for me lately. Thompson out. And of course, you pick up fucking Gustafson yeah. and Copley, the ones that are popping off. Yeah, off the I was like, freaking oh, no, my, goalies, wire. my goalies hurt. I'll grab Connor Ingram. 46 save shutout for Arizona. <laughs> like, what? Let's go. Yeah, I know. And that trade you pulled off today, you got Sergachev for Graves. Oh, my God. Scott, I, I know you're listening. Uh, bad trade, bud. I couldn't veto it, but I'm so sorry. Bad oh. fucking trade. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I was sitting I'm sorry, on Scott. the toilet, and I got that one. And if I wasn't already on the toilet, I would have shit myself. I was watching the Leaf game, trying not to shit myself because I had to push accept and not get yelled at for that. Anyway. On that note. Goodbye. Goodbye. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Leafs Late Night, your night of post-game podcast. Available after every game on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, and more. Hi, Marty.